Welcome to the show, talking all things art of living. Paul George in the studio with my main man, Adam Conk. Hey, hey. How you main doing? Main man. Yeah, today you are. How many men do you have that I'm just the main one? <laughs> well, you're pressing all those buttons. So That's true. You're that definitely main. You're yeah, the, you're the main dude, man. Yep. And I'm the main man because of this mane on my face that I decided to grow. So speaking of mane on your face, mm-hmm. I was actually staring at it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see me? No. Awkwardly, like, just staring at your face. <laughs> Trying to see what was stuck in there. Yeah, so your beard's getting bigger. Like, what's the what's the goal? Like, what's the end goal? Is it just out of control? Well, honestly, you haven't shaved it, no. trimmed it, you mm-hmm. wanted to get bigger? Well, you, you're going honestly, for the my, wife, my wife is surprised at how much she likes it. Okay. And would like to see it a little longer. Okay, so your beard is darker than your hair. Oh, yeah. Okay. And your beard's got some gray in it. Oh, yeah. And you're young. Oh, yeah. Well, that's debatable whether I'm young or not. I'm younger than you. You are younger than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely got some uh, salt. No, pepper. Yeah, salt in my pepper. Um, but I'm I'm happy to do that. I mean, I got my seventh kid on the way in November. Give me the gray hair. You know, it makes you look distinguished, they say. Yeah, you do look a little bit older. But with, I've never had beard. a beard, like, at all. And so this is kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, this isn't like the the five o'clock shadow beard. Oh no! Like you're this getting like, like inch deep. Like I have a cup holder on my face where I can just stick a can of soda and it'll stay. Yeah, like beard. I'm waiting for like a squirrel to pop out, <laughs> <laughs> something or a bird. <laughs> yeah. So have you gotten into like beard oil? Yeah. Okay. I gotta admit, yeah. Yeah. So that's a thing. Azure lime. So as we talk in art of living, we're mainly <laughs> talking about the art of. Beardness, the art of manliness. Mm-hmm. The art of manliness. Yeah. I don't feel more manly with it. I'll okay, that. so that's the question I, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you is, you know, are you more or less a man with a beard? No, because uh, we, we're going to fight in the studio. <laughs> no, the main benefit, honestly, mm-hmm. is that I don't shave every day or even close. I don't, it, it's I not don't touchy. It. So I don't, it used to be. I've never had a beard. I don't grow a beard. I don't even know if I can grow a full one. Like I'm kind of patchy. I bet you could. But uh, I could fight. No, I think um, I don't think there's anything wrong with men that grow beards because they feel more manly. That's fine. That's probably like a woman wearing a really nice dress because it makes her feel more feminine. I don't know, but I don't know either. But uh, no, I mean, no, I like it though. I really yeah. do. I really like it. You know, in plus a manly, I'm just an ugly man. In so a manly if I can way. cover it up with something, yeah, yeah, I yeah, should. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna get for all of you esque. <laughs> all right. So anyway, man. Um, Shocker here, but have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Yeah, so have you seen the dumpster fires in the news lately? Absolutely not. Really? This is one of the first times you've stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got to be absolutely <laughs> hidden under a rock if you you know, are unaware. Like, there's literally nothing good in the news right now. Yeah. Like, depressing. I don't want to be a pessimist, you know. I, I'm kind of land more of a realist point of view usually i'm like let's just be completely honest and real and truthful about what's going on whether that's good or bad i try, I try not to be negative i want to be more positive in my life uh but you know we were talking before we got on the show it's like is there anything good in the news right now i don't know anything i haven't so i let here's the deal here's the exercise if you're listening is a lot of times when things seem down and there's a lot of dumpster fires happening in the church, outside the church, all over the place, or in your own life, you're like, man, the sky is falling. One of the things that pulls you out of this is the art of gratefulness. Ooh. Gratefulness 
kind of pops you out. It, it It's kind of a form of actually praise, mm. that it, it moves you beyond yourself to think of something greater, something bigger, something more important, right? So here's what we're going to do right now. <gasps> Since there's nothing good happening in the news, <laughs> you and I have to think about something we're grateful for or something good that's happening that can take our focus off of what's not happening. Okay. All right, so you first. Oh, I'm grateful for Are my... You? Go ahead. My amazing wife. Okay. Goodness gracious. All right. That's a go-to. Just about every morning, I literally think, wow. Yeah. This would this day would be terrible without this woman. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I concur about mm-hmm. your wife. She's great, but mine too and my family. Yeah. Like, there's not a moment. Like, today, I was literally driving here, and I was thinking how grateful I am for my wife and my kids, who they are, and, and the joy that they bring to my life. You know, we have our oldest is in college now and then we have an eight month old so do the math but i was holding this little baby and thinking what would my life be like Mm. without this little chunky thing you know this this (laughs) big you know potato in my hand i loved it what are you grateful for well that but i'm gonna be a little bit just worldly here do it football season Amen, brother. Yeah, like it just makes me feel better about the world. It makes me feel better about all the bad things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Football's here, and I can just turn it on. Yeah, as long as you don't watch all the news around the NFL right now and just watch the NFL, you're good NFL, to NFL, but college. Oh, that's right. You know, college. football, mm-hmm. and it's just on. It's great. It makes me feel better. It makes me appreciate that fall's almost here. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I know it's superficial consolation, but I'll take it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Right. Put some sugar on that. Put some sugar on that spice. All right, you got another one? I'm grateful for Little Debbie's. Ooh. Here's why. Okay. So you know the amount of kids I have. You do. So what I decided to do a few months ago is I bought every box of Little Debbie's <laughs> at the store that I could find. <laughs> and that's their reward for like getting their stuff done at the right time for that day. Okay. And it's been amazing. You like the Little Debbie, the chocolate ones? Mm-hmm. Well, all of them. All of They've them. They've got a huge variety. I don't know yeah, if, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you might need to take out a bank loan to buy every Little Debbie in the store, but it'll last a long okay, time. Okay, so can I give you a little advice mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. There's about 1,000 calories in one Little Debbie. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> your kid could probably live on that for one day. So, yeah. like, Well, they just get one. I okay. know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, it, there's your calorie <laughs> intake. You, you will live till tomorrow if you eat a Little You've Debbie. You've done it. Yeah. All right, one more for you. Um, you know, I am super excited and grateful um, for, um, do you see, here's how bad the news is. Yeah. Here, here's how bad. Did I say football already? Yeah, you did. I mentioned you used that. that one already. I used it. Can I use it again? <laughs> and you mentioned is, your family. So is, like a double, is that pretty much it? Double Family excitement. and football? You know, I was actually really grateful when I was driving here that I had something to drive. Ah, yeah. Like, I know that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm looking at who has something better to drive. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be grateful for what I was driving. I think a lot of times envy can creep in. Mm-hmm. Jealousy can creep in. We look at other people. We compare to other people. We think of what other people have and w- wish we had it or what we don't have. And I don't want to focus on what I don't have. But what I should be grateful for in having, and even if it's not as good as someone else's or my perception is that way. Can I go there for a moment? Please. All right. So there's a spiritual writer that I love, and some of the things he says are fantastic. Some are just kind of weird. Right. One of the fantastic things he shared was how what the human heart really is. Mm. 
And he boiled it down to the human heart is something we all share. We all have the same needs and we all possess the same goods, like family, God, like all, we all possess, like that's what we all share. We all have the same heart. But what makes us personally different is the things I lack and the things I have. My heart is satisfied or my heart longs hmm. with a very unique longing and a very unique having. And so to get in touch with our own hearts means to let the Lord reveal to us that which we long for in our heart, not in our right. emotions, not whatever, but in our heart. And those things are always profoundly human and uh, and fulfilling and never material, you know, these right. kinds of things. But they'll manifest themselves in, like, these longings for material things. But So to, to be a person who knows their own heart means to know what I'm longing for, but also what I have. Right, and what fulfills me, yeah. really fulfills me, right? Because it can't be material things. It has to be something greater, you know? And just as we're doing this segment, we're talking about things that we're grateful for, thankful for. Uh, I'm already feeling better. Like it's like mm-hmm. the atmosphere around me is changing, you mm-hmm. know. And so I want to encourage people to do that uh, in their own life. And I just constantly, you know, find myself trying to be more proactive in that regard because gratefulness turns into thankfulness, into praise, and it, it moves us out of ourself into thinking that well, the only thing that's going to fulfill me is God, God alone, yeah. right? So anyway, we got a great show. When we come back, Adam, we're going to talk about the one thing, (gasps) the one thing that keeps us from success. Oh, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're the greatest of all those things. All right. Wow. Okay. So, the art of living. We'll be right back. It's Paul George. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk. Hey, hey. Part of living. Dude, we're getting into it, man. We are. We are getting into it. Yep. So here's the deal, man. I was reading this recent study, and, you know, I get into these studies. I know some people are into certain things, and like that, fly fishing? That kind of ignites maybe what they talk about or oh, what see, they write yeah. about mm-hmm. or what they speak about and or their style of speaking. Some people, you know, I'm, I read, you're, you read a lot. But there's certain things that just grab my attention, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a news story or. But one of the things that's oddly weird about me that I've found out about myself a few years ago is I'm really intrigued with studies. Yeah, you are. I you bring them up a lot. I do, which is good. I, and They're very I helpful. Maybe it's because I'm more of like a like a facts and data type person and visual. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I never knew this about myself, but I'm super into studies. So if someone's talking about a study, I'm reading a study, I just, you have my attention. Slightly a little bit ADD as you found out about myself. And then all of a sudden I'm zoned in, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you ever want to grab my attention, just be like, hey, Paul, I was reading this study. And then all of a sudden I'm locked in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway. Does Gretchen know that trick? Uh, you know, that's maybe if she listens to the show, she'll it out. Well, now you'll know if she listens to the show. Well, that's very true. Studies show that people do listen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I, 
you know, I wish I would have had this study, but, you know, I wrote the book, Rethink Happiness, you know, Discovering God. And, uh, you know, it's so this study came out after uh, the book, but it uh, so here's the thing. It's the one thing it's it's the the one thing on the study that was consistent, which with what keeps people from achieving success in their life. It's the, it's the one thing. Right. I have no idea what you, it would be. You don't want me to put you on the spot, so you guess it. No, you can put me on the spot. I could guess. You could throw and out a I lot of things. I don't know. Okay. I would have to say self-control. That's a good one. But it's not it. That's not it, but it's ah. connected to that. Oh. And I think a lot of times like we have to define success. So when mm-hmm. I'm talking about the study on success, the success across the board wasn't talking about material things. Like, you know, I've earned a lot of money. I'm successful. Which that can determine whether you've made it in the business world or mm. you know the area of focus that you're in. But success has to be determined by something else. So success, when they were doing the study, wasn't based on material things that you've earned or how much money you have, but being sort of achieving the apex of just what you're good at, mm-hmm. like what your gift set is. Like you know, so success in fatherhood or motherhood, success, you know, at being whatever job or you you're in what was the greatest factor from someone not achieving success in their area in their life in their vocation whatever the case may be okay Mm -hmm. so when we're defining success we're not simply defining it by you know how high you climb the ladder or you know the amount of material but you're able to actually accomplish that which you want to accomplish yes well well doing it well yeah. accomplish what you want to accomplish well based on who you are what you do mm. and your gift sets okay yeah. cool all right so well, you want all ears man okay what is it fear oh hands down top hey. of the one all across the board huh fear is the greatest obstacle for you and i or anybody listening or anyone in the world from achieving what they want to achieve it's fear Hmm. That's scary. Yeah. So it's fear of failure, fear, fear of not achieving, fear of attempting, fear of not pursuing, fear of messing up, fear of not knowing what to do. I mean, you can name those mm-hmm. fears over and over in the things that go through our mind and heart. And I can look at all my times in my own life of if I didn't do something, fear, man, creeped in. Yeah. Uh, but then I can think of the things that I've, you know, quote unquote, accomplished or I did that I never thought I could do. And it was overcoming that fear. Like it was literally stepping into fear. And I think a lot of times when we think about fear, people think for me to overcome fear is to have an absence of fear. Mm. Yeah, that's just not true. It's not true. One of the things I love about being a parent is that as I teach another human being how to live, things will come out of my mouth and they teach me, right? Like just because I love my child and I want them to be happy and and I could see the beauty of their life and who they are and the God's plan for them, all these things. I'll say things to them that I really should have said to myself a long okay. time ago, you know. Right. And one of them has to do with fear in that, you know, I've, I've had to say a few times, you know, you're not like a defective human being. Like you're able to accomplish whatever God has given you to do. Right. Whatever is a good thing for you to do, like you can do this. There's nothing wrong with you that would keep you from being just as happy or adjusted as everyone else. And no one ever told me that, or I didn't say that to myself, but to me, that's such a freeing idea that I'm just as human as everyone else. And so if anyone can do anything well, 
I can. Right. And God loves me just as much as anyone else. Right. Whether you're good at what you do or not. He right. loves you no matter what. And so it helps give it gives the freedom and takes the pressure off of me for my life to be a good life and puts it on just simply letting God be God and let myself be human and like human. be okay with that. Absolutely. It's Paul, Adam talking the art of living, actually talking about the art of fear. So here we go. All right, we're going to hash this out for people, oh including my us. Here's what first thing that people need to know. Fear is an emotion. Yeah. We all have it. So if anybody tells me that they they don't have fear, I will say, well, you're not human. It's like you don't feel. All right, so as humans, we have the emotion of fear. Okay. Mm-hmm. If someone then says, well, I've never had the emotion of fear, what I would say is you've never tried anything. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you will only be mediocre mm-hmm. in whatever you do, right? So fear is moving us to the brink of saying, I don't know if I could do this or not, right? Uh, but it's an emotion. It's a normal emotion. And as you were talking about being human, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Like we're human. Fear is a human emotion. What do we do when fear begins to creep in, right? And I think that's that's the thing. That's the question that we want the answer to because fear can either, A, catapult us the emotion can actually catapult us to success in what we're doing, or fear can make us cower or move back from moving forward, right? Th- those are the two things that fear does, the emotion of fear that does uh, to us. So, what do you, I mean, how do you experience fear positively? Well, let's talk about that. You know, I think everyone's going to experience it a little bit differently, right? And how they approach it. But here's one of the things, you know, so someone asked me, you know, how do you overcome fear uh, or how do you deal with fear? Um, Here's the first thing you need to do. Learn how to fail. Mm. I mean, when's the last time failure killed you? Not yet. Not yet. Although that is true for some people. When's the last time failure defined you? Hmm. When's the last time failure, you know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, certainly you can say, yeah, I, you know, I jumped off a bridge without a parachute. You know, that was a big <laughs> fail and I never recovered. We're not talking about being foolish. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about. Like you're a dad and being a dad just ruined your life or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or asking for a promotion or, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, pursuing a new career or you know, asking someone to marry you or uh, someone out on a date or, you know, you know, moving into something you want to do or you're afraid to do. When's the last time it killed you? It didn't. But when do you learn the most how to overcome fear is when you actually try something and fail. And mm-hmm. then you think in yourself is, well, that didn't kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can do this. Right? Like, yeah. if you get up to bat and you strike out, does that kill you? You failed technically at the at bat, but it didn't kill you. Mm-hmm. But what did it show you more than anything? You can get up there and do it. Yeah, You can get up there and try. So the next time you get up there, you're more confident to say, okay, I've been here before. I've done this yeah. before. Like this time I'm going to take a good hack at the ball. Yeah. I think you're touching on something that I've found very helpful when it comes to prayer is that, I mean, Paul, how often do you hear from people I wish I would pray more, or I don't pray as much as I really should, or ought to, right? Like, this is a constant mantra. I don't pray enough in my life, or as much as I would like, right? Yeah. And usually the the most common reason is I would start to do it, 
I didn't feel I was good at it. Boom. So I stopped. Yep. In other words, I, I felt like a failure in failure. my prayer. In your spiritual life. And so I just don't want to go back. Right. I don't want to get back up to the plate. Right. And so that's how do you overcome that? So this is, this is the question. This is what happens. We define ourselves by what we perceive as failure. Mm-hmm. When we define ourselves by what we perceive as failure, then we stop trying. We give up. But the reality is we're created in the image and likeness of God. We're not defined by our successes nor our failures. We're defined by who we are in God. It's called divine filiation. We're sons and daughters of God. So you're driving, you're listening to this, Paul and Adam talking the art of living. We're defined by who we are in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, his, I'm God's son. So are you. You're God's daughter. If you're listening, like that's our that's who we define ourselves. We don't define ourselves by our failures. And so if you went up to bat and struck out, or if you went into prayer and you felt like a failure and, and then you said, Well, that's just how I am. I'm always gonna strike out. There's something out. wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I can't hit a me. baseball, I can't pray. Right. And I think oftentimes, like if we're gonna just talk about this, it, fear integrates into every part of our life, the mm-hmm. emotion of fear. So mm-hmm. I'm afraid to communicate with my wife on a deep level. Mm-hmm because I've failed at it and so therefore I can't do it mm-hmm. and therefore I don't do it therefore there becomes a great divide emotionally between me and my wife you see what fear mm-hmm. begins to do it creeps in you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid to of confrontation I'm, a, I'm afraid to move forward I'm afraid to do something new and we define ourselves by that failure and so then we fear begins to basically overcome who we are right mm-hmm. yeah I remember um Last spring, actually, I was going through a spiritual guide, if you will, and the question was, what are you most afraid of? And this is a question I don't ask myself often. I don't really really deal with my fears regularly just because I'm too busy to. Yeah, you don't think about it. Keep going, right? Right. But when I paused and I was, okay, well, what am I most afraid of? It took a while. Mm -hmm. But it was very helpful to find the actual answer. Hmm. And I'm most afraid of forgetting some detail to some work I'm doing and letting someone down. Hmm. Like I that's, have, that's great. I feel like I have to juggle things all the time, but I'm afraid there's one ball I'm not juggling and then it's going to let somebody down in like a week or two. You know? Right. And um, not that I'm afraid that I'll lose that person's love. I just want to let people down. Right. And so this is really helpful me because I never asked myself that question. What am I most afraid of? But you're right. I had no idea how much that emotion was present every day in many situations, but I had to go there with God, you know, and I had to go there with myself. Yo, no, absolutely. And so here's, I think you bring up a good point is a great way to start is to do a self-evaluation. Like what mm. are, what am I afraid of? Like, what am I really afraid of? And not like raccoons or snakes, but like, yeah, like in life, <laughs> you know, where have I experienced fear in my life? Where have I overcome that fear? Mm. You know, where have I achieved fear? You know, there's a lot of times if, if you play sports and you've experienced fear and you've overcome it, you can take that same emotion yeah. and say, well, I can adapt that in my life. Or you as a musician, mm. the first time you got in front of someone oh, yeah. or a crowd and played the piano and you're scared to death, right? Yeah, it's a I little remember, bit yeah. easier now to do it. Oh, right? yeah. When I go speak on the stage, I still feel the emotion of fear every time I get up to speak. Like the day I lose that emotion, I think I stop being human. I'm detached mm-hmm. from the reality of what's going on. But what ends up happening is that emotion of fear actually, because I've done it before, lets me know that I can do it again. And then mm-hmm. I overcome fear again and again and again. But it's the emotion of fear that actually moves me to be laser focused on what I'm doing, moves me and forward. And fired up. And fired, you're fired up. up when you talk. Right. 
I can't tell you how many times that I am fearful and I think, let me just go home. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I push through it and there's victory on the other end. That can translate into anything. So if you're married, pushing through maybe some fears that you've had in communication with your spouse or you know areas where there's issues that you haven't dealt with and you're afraid to, once you start moving through those, the victory on the other end of fear is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, as we bring this up, I think it's good to remember the point of all this is to follow Jesus better, right? That's why we're talking about this. And to come to terms with the fact that my fear, unchecked, ungiven to Jesus, keeps me from following him closely. And it just comes to terms with that. It right. aff- fear affects all our relationship. And if, if, if the thing I'm most about is following Jesus, if that's where I'm going to find the sec- success as a person, then I have to come to terms with the fact that my fear holds me back from him and from doing what he asked me to do in my life. Yeah. And so I need to connect with that. And I'm, not that I need to learn not how to be afraid, but I need to learn what place fear has in my relationship with Jesus and what he's asking me in the midst of that fear. And it's always hard, you know, like the church is going through some stuff right now. And I, I remember today, Jesus, uh, you know, in the midst of the storm, sleeping. Everybody's like, Lord, why are you sleeping, right? What are you doing? We're about to die. Every, you know, everything's crazy. And I think in that moment, you can find the greatest calm and peace, which is what Jesus brought to those apostles. But if you're willing to enter into that, into the fear, into the disquiet, and say, Lord, you fix it. That's a certain level of discipleship that only fear can bring, really. Yep. No, absolutely. This is a good discussion. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about this and maybe some hope that we can have in the midst of fear. It's Paul and Adam. I hope so. Talking Art of Living. Be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here talking Art of Living. Thanks for listening in. We're having a great discussion. So this all started when I was reading a study, which yeah. obviously, as you know now. You is, love it. You're not it, afraid of studies. You <laughs> love them. Is an intention, a, attention grabber for me. Okay, so the study showed this, is that the number one thing that's an obstacle for us achieving success in our life. And so when we talk about success, we're not just talking about, you know, monetizing success, monetary things, or, you know, moving from, you know, the mail room to the CEO, like, that's all good. Like, and that's, you know, that is one area, but just success in every area of our life, like achieving the highest that we can be, you know, of what we want and what our gifts are. And this translates into every area of our life, right? So we're talking about that. The number one thing is fear. Mm. Fear is the number one obstacle for that. And here's the reason is one is uh, fear is a normal emotion that we all feel just like 
joy or sadness. Like it, it's an emotion. It's part of being human. The thing about fear is that it grabs, it's a certain emotion that grabs us and it keeps us from, from really at times moving forward. Why? Because what we talked about is we define ourselves by those moments of fear. So when we actually failed at something or we didn't try something because we were afraid. And I remember there were times in my life I didn't try something because I was just simply afraid to try it. Right? Like what? Um, parachuting. But yeah. I should. Why not? Well, it could kill me. I but have a few reasons. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. There were probably people I didn't ask out on dates. Not yeah. that I would ever marry, you know, but, you know, like, yeah. you can date the right that, way yeah. and learn a lot from it. Uh, I think just because I was insecure, right? So that insecurity is is matched with that fear, that fear taps into that insecurity. So what we talked about is we define ourselves either by the failures that we had or our fear of failing, so then we don't try. Yeah. But our greatest identity that moves us past, you know, with the fear through it is knowing that we're sons and daughters of God. Like God defines who we are. So, okay, so say I go in for a job interview and I don't get the job. It didn't kill me, nope. right? But I'm not defined by not getting it. Mm-hmm. But if I got it, I'm not defined by it. Mm-hmm. I'm defined by something greater than my success or my failures. I'm defined by my relationship with God, who God created me to be as Paul, who God created you to be as Adam. Like that, that's yeah. got to be the very base of our DNA of knowing who we are in God and discovering that. There could even be fear in discovering that because we're afraid of that. Yeah. And, you know, this is what Jesus did with his apostles constantly. There were challenges to their fear and to their identity Many, many times. I mean, remember when our Lord talked about marriage and the apostles were like, well, if this is true. Like, who should marry? Some of the married people were saying that. Were like, like, I'm afraid of what you just said. <laughs> this is way too hard. And he says, yeah, well, it's not for everybody. But those yeah. who can. Buckle up. Let's do this, yeah. right? Like, that's, right. that's the kind of man Jesus was. He would challenge people to the brink of their limit of, not in such a way like a thrill seeker. Right. But in no. who are you really? Right. Are you... Are you your the way you are now, or are you the one that that thing in you that's longing for something more, something greater for me? Yeah, is that who you are? Yeah, and I will take you there. I will bring you. Um, remember the night before the Lord died, right? He says, "I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and get you and bring you to myself." And and Philip's like, "Well, you know, if we don't know the way, how do we follow?" So can he I said, give you? I am the way into a top secret information. Uh oh. Yeah. So everyone listening, here you go. I don't think anyone is going to share this, right, everybody? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Jesus comes Mm -hmm. to teach us a new way of living. Whoa. The art of living. I mean, that's where I get this from. This is where we're getting this from. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus comes to establish a new way of living. And not only does he establish a new way of living by a new covenant, a new law, a law of freedom, a law of hope, but Jesus teaches that art of living by walking with the disciples, mm-hmm. right? So he didn't just say, okay, here's, here's this new art of marriage. Good luck. Like, yeah. like he, he lived in relationship, and, and, and he, he helped people to overcome those fears and to embrace this new art because he knew that it would be freedom if people embraced what this new covenant of marriage really looked like, right? Yeah, and, and it so doesn't mean we, they never failed either. No, absolutely. Dude, I was scared Peter. to death the day I got mm-hmm. married. I, I'm, mm-hmm. There's there's moments where I'm, I'm afraid of death, you know, and I was thinking of, as you were asking the question, like what are the things that, that you were afraid of? You were doing sort of this self-evaluation, and I remember 
when I first get, got married, I didn't know this about myself until I got married, that I was deathly, like I'm talking about like paranoid, like almost like cowering, afraid of like conflict, mm-hmm. like real conflict, like like let's let's hash this out conflict. Like there's something wrong with you and something wrong with me and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Conflict. Yeah. Why? Because I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I never experienced it. Right? So I was afraid of it. But once I started to kind of say, well, I got to do this. Like, I got to step up to the, to the plate, into the batter's box. I'm going to whiff. <laughs> but I'm not going to die doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so here's the first step to overcoming fear or embracing fear or having fear, uh, the emotion of fear move you forward. The first thing to do is just face the reality of it. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of this. This is, this is what I'm feeling. I, I'm, you know, this is the emotion. Don't run from that emotion. Just embrace it. That's the first step yeah. is just embrace it. You know, I, I embraced fear when I got married. You know, that was a new thing for me. Uh, I embrace fear when I try new things. You know, I embrace fear. Like for so many years, fear kept me from writing this book. Mm. But it was the very fear that actually moved me to write the book when I finally embraced the fear. I faced the fear. I faced the reality of like, what would people think about me? I can't do this. I failed English in high school. Like these are all the emotions that were coming up as Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this fear, right? So the first thing to do is face the fear. Love it. Head on. Do it. Yeah. Now, what if our fear is facing fear? And that's a silly question, but there's not. Like what if... What do we do if we don't know how to be that honest with ourselves mm-hmm. or even like even to begin to consider such a deep question? You know? No, that's a great question because so if, if your fear is facing the fear, then what you've already done is you've defined yourself by the fear. Mm. And so you really have to peel the layers back and say, well, how do I really define myself then? Yeah. And because you, you've defined yourself by all your failures, yeah. the things that you think you're not, right? Yeah. And so it's really peeling those things back. And it might be some hard work, right? But it's, it's, it's about moving, moving you forward. So the first thing is face the fear. The second thing is just fail. Mm-hmm. Like that goes countercultural with things, but like just fail at something. Yeah. Like fail at it, right? It, it doesn't kill you. It, yeah, it, I mean, music, that's a must. When I would music, teach music, it's like, look, pick up the guitar, start playing it. It's going to be terrible. Just get through it, and then eventually it'll sound better. And then write your first song, and it's going to be awful. Right. And then write a different one. It'll be a little bit better. Just fail. (laughs) Fail at the conversation. Fail at the ask. Fail at the promotion. Like, fail at doing and realize that you didn't die, Mm -hmm. right? And here's the next step, right, is then be honest about the failure. Mm -hmm. That didn't hurt me. It didn't kill me, and I'm not defined by it. I can get up. I can move forward. I'm okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So this happens in little ways, like even in parenting. Like one of the things I've learned in parenting is that I I fail a lot at parenting. Like I don't always know the right thing to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. I don't always know the right thing to say, the right discipline to do. Like I don't know. There's no manual. Like when my first kid was born, like there's no manual. It it was the placenta. It wasn't a manual. (laughs) Right. It was like that's what that's what it is. Where's the manual? You know, so I'm constantly failing at things I'm trying at, even if it's little ways. But I can admit it, be like, yeah, I totally did that wrong or I said that wrong. I can always say I'm sorry. Yeah. But I'm certainly not going to live in the fact that I failed. I got to just get up and realize it didn't kill me. And even have a good sense of humor about it. 
you know, like when people fail, it's not the end of the world. And you got to start with yourself on that one. Be like, wow, I blew it. Yeah. So here's what it all comes down to is that the cross to the world, the cross of Jesus Christ to the world seems like failure. Mm -hmm. It seems like complete and total failure. But it was through the cross of Christ and him embracing the cross, right, that there's resurrection. There's no resurrection without the cross. I mean, so let's just be honest about this, right? There's no victory without the suffering. Jesus, even in his humanity, faced fear. You think he was just like, oh, this is going to be the best day of my life. I'm going to get crucified. Like he, he sweat blood, like mm. a literal medical condition of such stress and anxiety and fear that out of his pores of his body came sweats, drops of blood, which you can look it up at, at, as the condition. Like, so even our Lord experienced the, 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 you know, the, the, the trauma of fear and anxiety in his humanness. Yeah. And it's what allowed him to embrace the thing that, that he was most afraid of in that moment. Yeah. And it makes it redemptive, right? Right. Because we can call it success, we can call it victory, but also call it redemption. Like when we follow the Lord into the life he's called us to live, it's not going to be easy. We're going to face fears. But on the other side is a better relationship with him and with our families and with ourselves. Right. And there's really no way around it because if we don't face it like that, if we don't let the, we don't trust the Lord enough to let him lead us into the uncomfortable parts of our life, then there's no redemption on the other side of it. Right. No, there's no redemption. We just live a very safe life. When we live a safe life without embracing fear or suffering or pain, we don't achieve the success that we're called to. And when I talk about success, it's like just being the best person that God made me to be. Like I look in the mirror, it's like I do. I do want to be a good husband and dad. I don't always know how to do that. Mm. I do want to be a good worker in the vineyard. I do want to be a good friend. You know, I want to be a good person. I want all those things. And I had literally have never talked to someone who wanted bad intentions for their life. Like everybody wants good things for their life, right? To embrace that, it's going to take some the human element of embracing fear. So face fear, fail at things, and realize that your identity is not in that. And then I think the next thing is we don't talk about a lot, particularly around this idea of the art of living, is don't be afraid to ask people to help you, mm-hmm. to teach you how to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like you don't have to figure out life alone. Yeah. You don't. So a lot of what you and I do, like off air, we're grabbing lunch. It's like, so how do you do this? Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, let's learn from each other. Well, so one of the things that I did when I was approaching marriage, so I can identify the whole idea of getting married is something I was super fearful of. Mm. You know, and that can trace back to my family of origin. My parents were divorced. They were great parents, but I just had some fears, right? Not only did I have fears about getting married, I didn't know what marriage even looked like. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to do it. Right. And we learn, like if you're going to be honest, we learn by example, like you could read all the books you want on marriage. And I've known people who have read a lot of books on marriage and have really bad marriages. Mm -hmm. They've read a lot of scripture and a lot of theology and they have really bad marriages. Yeah. We learn marriage by learning marriage from someone who's married. We learn life. We learn things by picking up things. And so 
I don't know what wisdom got over me. I think it's maybe the the power of my Holy Spirit through my confirmation that just somehow told me to do this. Mm-hmm. It was like I made a list of people who were married that I respected that had good marriages, and I just went and meet with them. Yeah. And just asking them questions. I had a little journal, and I would just ask mainly like the dad, like the, the husband, what do you do? How do you do this? What did you think? How did you work? What did you do? I did that. And I just asked, and I just... I just journaled and I hung out with these people who were married to the point where I was like, okay, I think I have enough tools to at least get married. Yeah. Right. But what it did was it taught me that throughout my whole marriage, I still need to be taught how to be married and not afraid to reach out to people. Yeah. Well, it seems like there's a natural remedy for fear called community. Boom. And what I mean by that, and this is not my idea, um, but so I'm borrowing it from someone. But what I mean by that is, you know, if you and I went rock climbing, for example. Ooh, okay. I wouldn't of, do that by myself. I'm afraid of heights. Right. And you wouldn't do that by yourself. No. But if I had a community of people going rock climbing, you might think maybe. Yeah. yeah if, I, if I had someone belaying <laughs> me that were, I trusted. Right. Yes. But eventually you're going to get to a leap you have to take or some kind of risk in that rock climbing mm-hmm. that where fear is going to set in. Certainly. And if people are around you encouraging you and cheering you on and saying, hey, just take your right hand, put it out that way, and then you're going to jump and grab and you can do it. There's no way you're getting from one ledge to the other. But community and the love of the church and love of our friends and family is this mechanism God has given us to help mitigate the fear of the risk we need to take in our life. And one of the problems why fear is so powerful today is that we don't have as palpable of community. Yeah. And if we do have people in our life, we don't talk to them about the things we're afraid of. I am so surprised by friendships that don't talk about anything of depth, Mm. like the lack of transparency and honesty or just like, Hey, help me walk with me. I'm struggling, you know, like, I'm surprised by that. And I think a lot of it has to do culturally with, with the advent of social media. We feel more connected to people than we think, but we're not super connected. And so then when we get connected with friendships, we don't really know how to relate. Like, we got to be better at relating. But we need mentors in our life teaching us the art of yeah. living. Like, we need community in our life to navigate us. And But we also bring a gift to the community. Absolutely. Like, we help each other. That's what the church should be. You know, yeah. I mean, we find ourselves in this dumpster fire in the church right now because of lack of community, yeah. right? Within clergy, within the laity, within, within, you know, all of us not living together in community and saying, let's live life the right way and let's help each other. Yeah. You know, so like you're struggling, talk to me and we're, we're going to move forward together. You know, we're not just going to, you know, sit in our dysfunction. Right. And I think that's what happens is not only you have to have people remember, but you know, to use your rock climbing analogy, if you know how to rock climb and you said, Paul, if you put your foot here and hand here, you're going to get over that ledge. I just did it. I know how to do it. I do this all the time. Mm-hmm. I could either A, say, of course, Adam knows what he's talking about. He's <laughs> done this. He does this. He's good at it. I should take his advice. Or I can do one other thing. I can say, I'm going to do it my own way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens. I'm going to live life my own way. I think this is the rejection of what our culture is doing with the gospel. I'm going to live life my own way. And then they end up finding themselves miserable, unhappy, 
uh, in living in some type of dysfunction and then like, well, how's that working out for you? <laughs> well, I think this is an important aspect of fear that especially younger folks today who seem to be fearless, seem to be, don't realize, is that sometimes it, confidence slash cockiness is, is masking a lot of fear. And wanting to do it our own way is really we're too afraid to listen to people. Yep. We're too afraid to be vulnerable enough that we're not the end-all and be-all of everything. And so overconfidence in our life, cockiness, can come from very deep-seated fears that we're just not paying attention to. And, and what's, what's rooted there is insecurity. Mm. Really, our arrogance and our cockiness is really just, you know, the result of what we're really insecure about. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, like none of us were created to be egotistical in a sense. Like none of us, you know, it's like, oh, you came out of the wound arrogant. No, you didn't. Actually, you're, you're broken and your arrogance is just hidden in insecurity. What are you insecure about? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a tough question to ask. You know, it's like what you said earlier, like really like what you're insecure about is letting people down. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a great revelation in ourselves. Like, I, I'm afraid it like. You know, my, I'm insecure. Like when I feel like I can't communicate right to people, or mm-hmm. I say something wrong. Like I, you know, I can get lost in in being trying to be too perfect. Yeah. Instead of just completely authentic, you know, and I get, I can get trapped in fear as well. Yeah. Well, and I always find it fascinating. We we started this conversation in the last segment about gratitude, or we we mentioned it what we're grateful for. I've always found it fascinating the person of Christ in that. I mean, he's a divine person, but he's literally not about himself ever. Like, even as a divine person. Like, when he became man, he said, the words I speak aren't my own. They come from the Father. The things I do aren't my own. I just do what I see the Father doing. But even his divine personality, he receives everything from somewhere else, someone else, literally his Father. He, he receives his entire divine life from him. And then all he ever really does in his personality as God is give his life back in gratitude. That's all he does. Boom. He has nothing else to claim for himself than that he receives everything from the Father and gives it all back. And who are we to think we should be anything more than that? Than someone who simply receives everything from God, the Father, and gives it back 100%. Like, why do we have to be the, the one with the great idea in the room? Why do we have to be anything other than a child who receives his life from Daddy? Dude, gives that's it so back? great. And maybe... You know, if I could bring this all around, back around, like in my personal experience of people in life, if I were to say there was a common factor in people who I know who are the most successful at what they do or who they are as a person, it would be that, that they have a sincere sense of gratitude in their life that what they do has nothing to do with them. Like, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like, this totally God. This is totally, I just, I just, I'm blessed. Like, it's, it's not about, like, it's just constantly like this idea of this gratitude that certainly they's, they've achieved a lot or overcome a lot of fear, but they've taken no credit for it. And it's beautiful. So anyway, it's a great discussion, man. We're going to have to continue this on another show. You can get the show on po- podcast at discovertheartofliving.com. You can get the book. Rethink Happiness. Um, you can share the show. And of course, we're super grateful for um, Catholic Radio for Acadiana for producing the show. 
What, what? And Adam Conk. <laughs> I'm grateful for you, Paul. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm not afraid of you. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. No. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back next week. God bless.